why am I feeling this way? Like, like what must I believe is true in order for me to be feeling the way that I'm feeling right now? And then try to like dig into that a little bit. And then once you've worked your way through that to kind of ask, Hey, like, what can I be thinking instead that's going to allow me to feel the way I want to feel? Because the second that you start to understand like why it is that you are feeling the way that you're feeling or why you're having the thoughts that are are running through your head, you can start to like learn, okay, like this is a trigger of mine, or like maybe this certain person or situation causes me a little bit of anxiety, like not to always avoid things, but it's okay to avoid things that cause those emotions to come up for you, especially if it's not something that's within your control. Because if you are constantly like focusing on those things that are out of your control, you're, you're never going to be able to get to that space and place that you want to be at. You're listening to Breaking the Ice, a podcast and community created for wives and girlfriends of professional hockey players, but since has turned into so much more. Stories shared by women around the globe who come together for a sense of connection and community. You may be in the sports industry, a hockey parent, an athlete, or a person who just enjoys podcasts but I can promise you, you'll be inspired by these women every single day while we evolve through the tips, tricks, do's and don'ts for all things hockey. And guess what? So much more. For women, by women, but especially for a hockey community. So lace them up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Hello, you guys. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to the podcast. Our season is officially done and finished for the year, so I am just sitting here fiddling my thumbs until I can go home. We're kind of in that process of figuring out like where we're going to leave our stuff, and I don't think my husband has even started to think about packing yet, but I've kind of started to get some things organized that I know we don't need or we're not going to use, and we'll probably be here for another few weeks as he has to get the surgery and we're waiting on getting the baby money, which is money that you get from the government here. And we have not gotten that yet because of COVID. Apparently it's just taking a lot longer to process, even though we've applied about five months ago. So we are waiting for that. um, And then hopefully everything can get sorted out with my husband being able to fly home with me. So We're going to do a bit of traveling here, and then there is going to be a few more weeks of episodes before I take some time off in the summertime to just really focus on family and friends, something I have been missing very, very much. I have some good episodes coming out for you up until that point, but other than that, I'm still going to be super active on the Instagram page, obviously, and then There'll be some exciting things coming soon with the podcast as well. I know I mentioned a very long time ago that we were going to start doing some workshops. So I actually just spoke with the first person I'm doing a workshop with and that is in the works. So that is definitely going to take place, I think, in May or June. So I'm really excited about that. And obviously I will keep you guys posted. But today on the episode, I have Taylor Cook joining me and Taylor is a women's professional hockey player. Her boyfriend is a strength and conditioning coach and assistant coach in Bremerhaven, Germany in the Dell. We actually really didn't get into very much of the coaching side of things because I feel like 
our conversation was meant to go in a different direction. And we talked about a lot about mental health and mindset. So Taylor's actually a women's mindset coach specifically for athletes, but this conversation was really important. She did her own podcast for a while and I had listened to a couple episodes and there was a few things that stood out to me that I wanted to talk about. So we talked about men's mental health and how I feel like pretty much from the beginning, and I would say I feel like this is changing just because people are being more aware and just kind of the time we're in, it's not really, you know, as much like this as it was back in the day when our parents were parents, I guess. But I feel like a lot of men, it's hard for them to express their emotions and be super vulnerable because men were kind of brought up to be like the tough guys and especially in a sports world. Um, this can be really hard. So we dive into this topic pretty deeply. And we also talk about just mental health for the wives and girlfriends, which is super important. I definitely think that you need to have, you know, someone that you can talk to if you're struggling in this lifestyle. And I want to take a second to just talk about community. So our hockey community is obviously very tight knit. And I've seen so many connections being formed throughout the podcast. Obviously, as you know, like every single year, we're going from team to team. Like you might not always feel like it's that perfect fit for you. If you are feeling that way and you're feeling like you don't really have anyone to talk to on your team, that's totally normal. There's a lot of girls that feel that way. I feel like even just having one friend that you can talk to on the team or just someone within this community is really important if you're struggling. And sometimes we can have factors throughout where we are that can affect our mental health, like the travel, being alone, not having any support systems. Again, just maybe not feeling so much a part of the group wherever you're at. So we talk about mental health struggles that happen within our hockey lifestyle and how we can kind of recognize when we're feeling this way and what we can do when we're struggling with it. Really just tangible things that we can do to incorporate in our lives to take us out of the hockey bubble I think that everything is much more pronounced when you're living far away from home. Like like your mental health, like the struggles are going to be amplified if you are not feeling totally comfortable in any aspect of the lifestyle that we live. So we talk about that. We also get into the pay equity between men's and men's and women's hockey and the differences between that and how we hope to see that change over the years and so much more in this episode. So make sure to give it a listen and I hope you enjoy. Um, How are you doing? No, no, I'm good. Things are uh, pretty chillax. We actually have two days off. Well, I say we, but he has two days off. So um, it's just been some downtime here and you know, kind of the usual for me with work. So it's, yeah, things are good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. We're having some nice weather. Is it, is it warm over where you guys are? I wouldn't say it's been warm today, but in the past couple of weeks, it's actually been super nice, especially for like where we're living in the Northern Germany. It's usually just one shade of gray and, (laughs) and (laughs) raining all the time. So it's been really sunny. I feel like when it's, rainy and kind of muggy out it's like makes it really difficult to want to be outside and want to 
you know, go for walks and stuff like that. So I just find that my mood is so much more elevated when it's sunny and nice out. So I don't know if you've seen like the, the meme on Instagram or whatever, but it's like people being super grumpy, taking a walk for their mental health. Like that's how I felt in the winter months. Here. I was like I'm <laughs> forcing myself to go outside and do yes. Something. Yes. I know you have to. Well, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and tell the audience about who you are. Yeah. Okay. So, um, my name is Taylor cook. I'm a professional women's hockey player currently kind of, uh, in a little bit of a hiatus season, but, um, I'm originally from Brantford, Ontario. So I, I grew up there and I've been playing hockey since I could walk essentially. So I've, I've been playing since I was four years old and it wasn't until around the age of 15 when I left my hometown to go and play outside. So I could do pretty much everything I could to continue continue playing. Um, so I played two years in Haldeman, and I'm sure nobody knows where that is. Um, but then I ended up playing in the uh, PWHL in Stony Creek for a couple seasons before I um, got an offer or a scholarship rather to go and play at university uh, on the east coast of Canada in Fredericton, New Brunswick. So I played and studied there for for five seasons, which was such such a great time. And then after I graduated, I moved to Europe. Um, it was very unexpected, like the way everything kind of panned out for me to get here. So uh, I didn't really have a plan once I graduated university. It was like, all right, well, now I have this degree, so maybe I should do something with it or you know, maybe continue to play hockey. Um, but I got an offer from a team in Kazakhstan and it was like a three-year contract and I was super excited. There was like potential for me to go and play for their um, national team, but it kind of fell through at the very last minute, like a couple of weeks before I would have left. So I kind of pivoted and I ended up coaching in Hungary for about two and a half months. Things within like the management there weren't as good as they should have been. And then I received an offer to go and play in the top league in Norway. So that's where I was playing for the last two seasons in Oslo. And just this past August ended up moving to Germany where, yeah, where I've been ever since. And outside of doing um, like playing hockey, I do mindset coaching with athletes and with high performers as well. Amazing. Okay. So I want to go back to the beginning of kind of your hockey journey. So you left at 15 instantly in my head. I'm like, okay, my husband left the house at 15. He went to Canada. He lived with a billet. Did you live with a billet family? No. So I just did like a ton of traveling. Right. So the team that I played for was about an hour outside of where I was living. So I had to drive an hour to and from practice and games like five, six times a week. So I did that for like three, four years. Wow. And then at the age of 19, I moved out East where I, I lived there for five years. Okay, cool. So you decided to make the move over to Europe. Did, was that something that you ever envisioned for your life? Honestly, no. Like when I had a, not even graduated, it was, I think it was been 2019. My plan was to go and play in the CWHL, which was the Canadian Women's Hockey League. And folded just before I graduated, the entire league did. So like there was nowhere in Canada for me to go and play anymore. So I was like, oh my God, like this is brutal. So, um, 
I, I ended up playing in this tournament in Prague and I met like a ton of great girls there. And, and I just really enjoyed Europe so much that I wanted, like, I knew I wanted to go back. Um, and then that's what kind of, you know, brought up all these other opportunities. And I just said like, you know what, I've, I've been away from home. Like there's nothing holding me back here in Canada. So like, why not? Like I'm young. Now is the time to be doing this kind of thing. Like, so I just took off and I've been here ever since, honestly. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I told you this before, but I grew up in California where hockey obviously like was not really a thing. I mean, I think I remember like a couple people playing hockey for my high school through like club hockey, but it was just a whole new world once I started dating a hockey player. But what are the main differences between women's hockey and men's hockey? Like not even just with the game, but with like kind of the off ice experience. It's, it's actually super interesting, right? Like, I mean, I never played boys hockey when I was growing up at all. Um, I, I played on girls teams, um, but not everybody has the luxury of that because not every, not every city offers uh, girls hockey at a young age. So typically girls will end up playing in the co-ed leagues until they can either go and play with the girls team or they unfortunately decide not to play anymore. Right. Because there really isn't like a set structure for, for women's hockey in a lot of places. And that's kind of like one thing that I try to advocate for is to kind of build up girls and women's hockey. So, you know, that the younger girls do see that there's possibility for them to go and play at a high level. And like, it's not like, you know, with men's hockey, they grow up, they watch the NHL, like they have these role models to look up to, like, it's so, so great. Right. Um, but that's kind of one of the biggest differences, I think, obviously aside from like the, the pay equity, which is a completely different topic in and of itself. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about that? Like in men's men's sports, especially like NHL, like they have these high paying contracts and, you know, playing is their full-time job, which is so great. Um, and unfortunately that's just not the reality for women's hockey yet. Um, so in Canada and the U S right now, there's the, the PHF, which is the premier hockey federation formerly known as the N the, yeah, the NWHL. Um, and then we also have the PWHPA and they're working to, to kind of merge those two leagues together to create a sustainable professional league for women's hockey in all of North America, rather than having two competing leagues. Um, but it's in Europe, like there's a bunch of different leagues. And I think in my personal opinion, um, the most sustainable is, uh, in Sweden, the SDHL. So, um, the pay is probably the best in that league for women's hockey at this point in the game. Um, but pretty much everywhere else, like, I mean, when I graduated, I had an offer come in from a team in North America and the pay salary was like 7,000 for a whole year. What? Yeah. So that didn't include housing that didn't (sighs) include getting access to a car, like absolutely nothing. And it meant I had to go through and get my visa because I'm not American and then also find a job within my field on top of that. So unfortunately, it's just not as sustainable for, for women to continue playing at high levels because we end up having to balance playing hockey full time with with working full time jobs. And of I course, was like not expecting you to say that at all. I think it's changed a little bit since then. I mean, it's been like three years, but still it's it's not anywhere near where it needs to be. And slowly, I think I'm praying that this discussion with the PWHP and the the PHF with the NHL, like that whole merging situation, I hope that 
something great can come of that because even though I wouldn't end up playing in that league or moving back home, it was so needed for, for all of the girls that play there. I mean, just think about how many hockey players are in Canada and the U S right. And a lot of them end up coming to Europe to play because it is more sustainable. Like in Sweden, you get an apartment, you get access to, um, some sort of transportation. I don't think it's a car, but, and then you also get paid on top of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, even to think about just how much time work energy goes into playing hockey, not just the practice and the training and everything that goes with that, but also playing in games and traveling. Like how would you even be able to have a full-time job on top of playing a professional sport? It's just like, it just doesn't make any sense. It's, it's not sustainable by any means, but we make it work, right? Like that's, you know, I think one of the, the great things about, about it right now is like, it really shows how dedicated we are to the game. Like, you know, as an example, when I was living in Norway, like they paid for my apartment, but it's not like I was being paid to play there. Like they took care of some, some things for me, which I'm super grateful for, but like I had a job there. And then I had a, like my, my side business and starting with, with coaching and stuff like that. But it was like, we only had really late practices. So <laughs> we had like the worst ice times possible. And then when it came to traveling, um, for, for some games, like most of the games were in Oslo, which I'm grateful for, but we did have weekends out in Stavanger or up in, um, or up in Trondheim and we had to pay out of our pocket in order to go on those trips. So yeah, it's, it's an upward battle for sure. Yeah. Well, that's amazing that you're advocating for that and it clearly shows how much you love the sport. So that's awesome. I was going to ask you, okay, I'm going to, wasn't there something that happened recently? I don't know if it was like the women's Olympics for hockey or like there, there was something that got canceled last year that everyone was really upset about with women's hockey. Yeah. It was the, uh, U18, uh, world championships. What happened with that? It's, it's a very political thing, I think. Um, so like a lot of it came back to, to the whole COVID situation, which we've all, (laughs) we've all been (laughs) trying to navigate and, and deal with. Um, but the, the big uproar was the fact that, they canceled the, the girls world championships, um, but they neglected to cancel the men's and it truly, I mean, they, they tried to form it as, you know, it's a COVID situation, Mm -hmm. um, not, not a money situation and not like a a sexist situation or anything like that, which I mean, I can't really speculate on, but when it's happened two years in a row and it's just the women's side that gets the effects of that, it's, it's really hard for women not to see it in that light because they're the only ones that are, that are getting affected by it. Right. So it was a, yeah, it's, it's difficult situation. Um, but luckily they've rescheduled all of that stuff for this year now. So good. Okay. Everybody's going to get their chance to, to kind of show off their skill and, and to just enjoy playing, honestly. It's pretty crazy. Hey, if you think about things like that, that happen, like, I mean, it it just kind of blows my mind. It's like, okay, if you're going to blame it on that, then you should be canceling the men's too. Yeah. And that was like the argument that was being made at the time. And it's like, it's, it's a very 
complicated situation because, you know, the men's tournaments do bring in so much money and they really do fund a lot of the other tournaments that are offered. That's for both the young girls and boys um, tournaments. So they're trying to justify it. Like it's hard for them not to put on that type of event because it does bring in so much money and does really funnel down to the other, the other tournaments. So I want to move into how you met your boyfriend and him being a professional men's hockey coach and you being a professional hockey player. How did you guys meet and where are you guys at today? I guess the the simplest way to to put this is we met when I was playing in Oslo. Uh, He was coaching a team just outside of the city and that's how we met like COVID things started to shut down. So we just spent some time together and, um, yeah, like things went really well. And then, um, he over the summer last summer received an offer from the, the Dell here and it was for like strength conditioning, uh, position, but also assistant coach position as well. So we're both young. So it was super hard for him to turn that down. And, and I actually had, um, MCL reconstruction in April. So I was in physio and like, I knew I, the odds of me being able to play this season was kind of up in the air because the, the recovery was about six to a seven months. And yeah, it's, that was like a whole process in and of itself. So he got the, the contract to come and play or not play (laughs) to come and coach here. I think it would have been like the end of June. So it was like a really last minute quick decision type of situation. So like we had both signed to like, I was going to be playing there again and he was going to be coaching there. And I also had a coaching job lined up, but very last minute, like got an offer here. And I was like, okay, like think on your toes. Like, what are we going to (laughs) do? Okay. So are you guys in Bremerhaven? Yeah. Things switched last minute. So walk me through like your mindset with that. Was that something that you were instantly like, okay, yeah, I'm cool with this. Or were you kind of struggling with the last minute decision? It was a bit of a process at first. Like it came super out of the blue last minute. Um, but again, like I was in a full leg brace at the time when all this was going on, still going through my recovery from my surgery. Um, and like, I knew that if I wanted to stay and play, like that wasn't going to be an issue. Um, but the first thing I kind of thought was, okay, well, let's take a look to see like, what's going to be around here for, for women's hockey or, um, to see like what my options were, because I do have professional league for women in Germany. Um, but unfortunately the, the closest top division team is like three and a half hours away from where we are. So that wasn't really an option. Um, so I, I, contacted my agent and had him like kind of do some scouting out here and see like what was available. And he actually got in contact with a division four men's coach who's from Canada and he coached here in Bremerhaven as well. And so I ended up like getting in contact with them and that's where I've been, been practicing this entire season. Okay, cool. Um, so are you planning on playing next hockey season? Are you going to coach or what's your kind of loose plan, because as we all know, we all have to have loose plans in this hockey lifestyle, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's the biggest understatement of the century, (laughs) I think. Um, I have a few things in the works right now. So um, my hope was to be able to, to get a contract playing with this men's team here. Um, But it doesn't look like that's maybe going to be an option. So I'm, I'm looking at a couple teams in, in Sweden and, and in Finland as well. So tryouts are going to be coming up in the next month or so for that. And then 
you know, just kind of, kind of trying to see like, okay, like how, how those go in the first place, if I even receive an offer and then like, okay, if an offer comes through, do I want to make the decision to, okay, like uproot and go and then go through like the long distance pain of a season for, for a year. Right. Right. Because I mean, I'm, I'm 27, so I don't really know how many years left of this that I have, because like, like I said, it comes back to like the financial standpoint, right? Like, it's not like I can go and, and make bank as the guys can. Yeah, for sure. I get that. Well, I'm sure the right decision will come to your mind when the time is right. I feel like I have to just tell myself that all the time with any major life decisions. I'm like, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I try to do the same, but I'm like such a planner. Like I love to have something like even just like a vague structure of something in my head. So this, I think once I do decide like to hang up the skates, like it'll be so much easier in that sense, because I like, I'm so easy with moving and, and that kind of stuff. It doesn't bother me. Like I'm like the kind of person's like, yeah, let's go. Like let's, let's do yeah. it. But you just like need complete closure before you can move on. Yeah. Like I want to be like 100% on the, on any decision kind of before I make it. Totally. I totally get that. Okay. So you are a woman's mindset coach. Will you tell me about that and how you got into it? Yeah. So, I mean, this all started when I was um, playing hockey in junior back home. And this is going from like playing with this low level team that didn't have a lot of resources to being in this really well-known organization that had like everything at its fingertips And my coach at the time just handed me this book called mind gym. And it's such a good book. I don't know, like if, if any of the the wives or girlfriends out there, whose uh, husbands or boyfriends, like players need to have some of that, but like that book is so good, even just like, it's a quick read um, just to kind of get your, your head in a good, in a good space. But that's kind of what introduced me into like sports psychology and stuff. Um, And then yeah. When I, when I moved to Norway, um, it was something that I'd always kind of thought about was doing like, not life coaching, but like kind of like sports psychology and that kind of stuff. And, and I got introduced to a company back home in Toronto, elite high performance coaching. And I had a conversation with, um, with the head coach there and just started the onboarding process. I went through all the, the, the coaching certifications that they have and, And now I work mainly with athletes, but starting to step into more of like the everyday kind of, um, person, right? Like the people that, whether it's like, you're just in work and you want to like level up in your career, or it's maybe you have like some personal things that you want to like achieve for yourself and just kind of giving people that, that structured, um, plan to help them get there, but also help them do like the deeper work on their mindset. That's going to give them sustainable belief systems that will help take them from point A to point B. What really got your foot in the door with that? Did you just kind of start reaching out to people and working with people individually or like, what did that kind of process look like for you to really just get started work the actual work with people? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a slow process. Like I'm still in the process of kind of launching myself as a, as a coach. Um, but it really does just come down to, um, putting yourself out there and like letting people know what it is that you're doing. Because I think for a lot of people, the hard thing is like posting things on social media and then feeling like they're 
possibly being judged or like nobody really cares about it. Um, but like the only way that people are going to know is if you share it. Right. So, um, that's kind of where I started just like sharing things on social media, like whether that was just like useful tips on my stories or, or for me, a lot of the posts that I do share kind of come back to like my personal reflections with hockey and like how I overcame certain situations or like the mindsets that I had in, uh, certain situations. Um, and then like people just start to resonate with it. Like I think athletics really easily bridges from whether it's corporate leadership to just like everyday high performance, people tend to be able to relate to things that happen in the athletic space really, really easily. So yeah, I just had some people reaching out and like, I'm now coaching, um, a girl who's playing top division here in Germany. I've coached with, uh, second tier, uh, volleyball in France. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. And in the next couple of weeks, we're launching our group program with elite high performance, which is going to be geared towards like helping, um, helping people overcome burnout and how they can, you know, build sustainable strategies for themselves and like overcome like some of those tendencies, like people pleasing and perfectionism and all that stuff that kind of tends to hold us back from going after what it is that we, we want in our life. I love that during the hockey season, obviously our mental health can be really affected by just kind of that lack of stability that comes with the hockey life. So what are some ways that we can recognize this feeling and how, like, what are some steps that we can take to help regulate this? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. And like, that's something that it's, it's really a skill, honestly, like being able to practice self-awareness is where we always start when we work with folks. So it's making sure that you're kind of monitoring the thoughts that are going through your head and also emotionally what's kind of coming up for you too, because our emotions are like the messenger between our brains and our bodies. Right. So when we do start to feel those emotions coming up, identifying the fact like that they're there in the first place, like don't shove them down and try to ignore them because that's really just going to compound and make things way worse for you. Um, so just to like take note, journal it down. And we always kind of ask, okay, like, why am I feeling this way? Like, like what must I believe is true in order for me to be feeling the way that I'm feeling right now? And then try to like dig into that a little bit. And then once you've worked your way through that to kind of ask, Hey, like, what can I be thinking instead that's going to allow me to feel the way I want to feel? Because the second that you start to understand like why it is that you are feeling the way that you're feeling or why you're having the thoughts that are, are running through your head, you can start to like learn, okay, like this is a trigger of mine, or like maybe this certain person or situation causes me a little bit of anxiety, like not to always avoid things, but it's okay to avoid things that cause those emotions to come up for you, especially if it's not something that's within your control. Because if you are constantly like focusing on those things that are out of your control, you're, you're never going to be able to get to that space and place that you want to be at. What are some things that we can do or incorporate in our daily life that can kind of take ourselves outside of this bubble? Because I feel like sometimes, and I don't know if you feel like this too, but I feel like during the hockey season, it can kind of feel like somewhat of a bubble. There's a lot happening. There's a lot of travel. You're away from your family and friends. You're kind of 
thrown into this group of new friends where sometimes you don't exactly know where you fit. There's people that feel left out that can contribute to feeling really down. I've definitely experienced that. And also just the mental load of it all, you know? And so I think sometimes during the season when we're, when we're kind of in it and we're like in that season of life, we kind of get really absorbed with it. And I'm just wondering if you have any tips for things mentally, Mm -hmm. everything you said was amazing, but I'm wondering like maybe like a tool or like like something that you can like actually like use. Okay. Um, I mean, my first go-to is always journaling. I, that's something that I do almost every single day. And it doesn't have to be like, like what happened with your day, like journal about like questions. Like, I don't know, like, I think we can get so stuck inside our heads and like what's happening right now that we kind of like lose sight of the, the great part about life. Like, and I've, I've experienced this, especially recently too. Like you can get so isolated when you're in this lifestyle and like stepping into like where I am now, it's, it's way different to be in my shoes this year than like being a player on a women's team last year. Right. Like it's a different thing for me to experience. So like, I tend to like just journal and like, let, like get back to like being creative, you know, like remember what it's like to be a kid and just do things for the joy of actually doing them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when it comes to like, maybe you are having trouble, you know, kind of connecting with some of the, the other girls around and stuff. Honestly, I think again, like it comes back to just being in our own head. Sometimes, um, I haven't been in like, like I said, this position very long in terms of like navigating, being a coach's girlfriend and like interacting with players wives and girlfriends because the, the coaching staff here, all their families live down South. So it's, you know, we're the same age as the players. So it's an interesting environment to navigate, but just make the effort in the first place. Like you're not really going to lose anything by messaging someone and saying, Hey, like, do you want to grow, grab a coffee? Right? Like sometimes you have to be the first one to initiate things because not everybody is going to do that for you. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I hope that helps. (laughs) Yeah, no, it does for sure. And I think a quick note on journaling too, is I think a lot of people think of journaling as something that's like a dear diary today. I did this. Like they have this idea that journaling is this big thing, but like you said, journaling can be something as simple as like jotting some questions down or maybe writing an emotion that you're feeling or just a thought. Like it doesn't have to be like this big thing that takes a lot of time to do. Um, Mm -hmm. and I have, I don't journal, but I've heard that it's like very transformational in terms of just kind of having that self-awareness of the emotions that you're feeling. So I think that's really awesome that you do that every day. Yeah. I mean, like I, I do my best with it and like, especially when you're going through like difficult times too, right. It does really act as like just a blank slate to throw whatever shit you have going on in your head, just out of it. Right. Because if it's mm-hmm. stuck inside for so long and you just, again, like keep pushing it down and letting it sit there, you're not going to address the actual problem itself. And you're just, it's almost like putting a bandaid on, on like a bullet wound, you know? Yes. Yes. I told you this, but I listened to a couple of your episodes on your podcast, which I know you are kind of pressed pause on right now, but I wanted to dive into this topic, the episode men's mental health, masculinity, and vulnerability. 
there are certainly not enough resources for men in the hockey world, which I feel like people are kind of talking more and more about as time goes on, which is amazing. But I'd love to kind of get your take on this topic. And the first question I want to ask you is, why do you think that men feel like they're not really able to express their emotions and be really vulnerable? Great question. I think, especially being in the athletic space, a lot of it does kind of go back to like this whole idea that you have to be like strong and manly and masculine, right? Like that's kind of the vibe that you want to be not the vibe, but like, that's how you want to be seen. And like, in the eyes of your coach, right? Like, because the second that you start to show a little bit of weakness or anything, like it can be kind of interpreted as being negative and maybe showing up as like, oh, he's not prepared or he's not good enough or or whatever the, the situation is. Like, I think a lot of it does come down to one, how you were raised, because I do know some guys who like their parents were very supportive with them and like sharing how they're feeling and stuff and, and making sure that they're more open in that sense. But I also do know some people who don't have that same support. And then when it comes to, you know, being in relationships or like, just, just kind of connecting with people in general, as they get older, it gets harder for them because they're not used to being able to express like what's, what they're feeling inside. So and like, you see that in women's hockey too, because we don't want to be seen as like feeling as, as being weak or like feeling like we can't be performing. So it does tend to kind of come back to the sport and like athletes are seen as these strong, really independent and just capable people. So when you show up as anything less than that, you feel like you aren't good enough. You feel like you, you aren't worthy and all of these kind of negative self-beliefs can start to come to the surface. Yeah. I I don't know if you feel this way, but I do feel that our generation has really become a lot more in touch with emotional, just, and I guess gentle parenting and like that kind of thing too. So I do have hope for the future that things are going to shift with children now as they grow up, like especially, you know, little boys, because I think there's a lot more tools and researches of how to let boys express their emotions instead of, you know, telling them like, oh, don't cry. Like boys don't cry. And like kind of having that mentality that boys always need to be tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I pray for that as well, honestly. And like, I don't have a family or anything yet, but like, I, I hope that once that time does come that I kind of imply the, the same type of parenting skills there it can be really scary to be vulnerable, especially whether you've grown up in those situations, or maybe you've had like some traumatic experiences in past relationships that kind of make you put these walls up. Like that's, I mean, that's how it it's for me. Like that's a constant thing that I'm trying to work through is to be able to feel like I can open up without this fear that like, it's not going to go well. Like I'm going right. to, you know, like kind of start to feel, feel bad for expressing how I feel. Right. Like, and I don't feel that way. I'm just trying to kind of overcome that situation for myself, but like being vulnerable is a courageous act 100%. And I think the more that we advocate for, for people to be able to do so and to like create that safe environment for people to feel like, okay, like I can tell you like what's going on. Maybe it's not like an emotional thing, but maybe it's like maybe mental health situation, right? Like maybe you're just like feeling anxious about a certain situation, like to feel safe enough to open up and talk to somebody about that, whether that's your partner or whether that's your coach or your, your AT, like 
it's just like a really, really important thing. Yeah. And I think when you're vulnerable, that gives, like you said, other people, the safe space to also be vulnerable. And even just with this podcast, sometimes like there's things that I want to share, like I'll do an episode that feels like kind of uncomfortable for me to put out there for people to listen to. But when Mm -hmm. I get that feeling of this feels really vulnerable and uncomfortable, I know that I need to share it. Mm -hmm. I kind of like, I think it was the last solo episode you did that I kind of got the vibe that maybe you were a little bit nervous putting it out, but honestly loved every second of it. Thank you. Yeah. It's just, you know, I feel like we just have so many shared experiences and people outside of the hockey world don't understand it. So, and, Mm -hmm. and the thing is like, it's great that we have this community and like, we're able to have these conversations, but I'm not so sure that there's a ton of you know, conversations going on about mental health and the struggles and the hardships with the guys. Mm-hmm. So, well, it's I mean, like, it's super taxing, like what they're doing too, right? Like I, I feel for both, for both sides of the coin. Like I feel so empathetic for all the wives and girlfriends who are at home and they are isolated and um, like they have families and, and dogs and like all these things that they have to take care of on their own. But I also feel super bad for the guys who are, you know, on the road, for four days a week, sometimes longer, depending on where you're playing. And then also on top of that, like, I mean, we've been averaging three games a week right now. Like that's Mm -hmm. insane. Like you're just, your body is so taxed by the end of all of that. And we've been, we've been going since like August in CHL and then also in Dell too. And then yeah, like we're stepping into playoffs. We haven't even finished our regular season yet. So oh that just gosh. goes to show you how long the season could possibly be for, for some of the families here. Totally. And then it's like for the guys too, it's like they have these crazy schedules, which all the girls understand and we get it, but then they come home and it's like, they're also so wiped out and tired, which can cause, you know, it's like, it's kind of mm-hmm. this whole ripple effect. And I feel like the men need more support too, because it's probably, I mean, it's, it's hard for both parties, right? Especially during playoffs and like the end of the season. But mm-hmm. I just feel like there are, there is a lot of pressure for guys to like have these busy jobs and then come home and like step up and be like help, super helpful around the house when they're like deadbeat tired. So yeah, um, for sure. I just feel like it would be really cool if we kind of see a switch with hockey. Like, I think it would be so beneficial to just even have like a psychologist on each team. And I feel like there's such a, I don't even, I mean, it would be great if it would be required for them to talk to them because it makes me kind of think like, even on top of not just like the day-to-day grind, but like things that happen where like guys aren't getting played that can really affect some guys. Mm -hmm. Well, and like, not just to have somebody to talk to, like, don't get me wrong. That's super important too, but to also have somebody to like, be able to provide them with some tools that are going to actually help them to address these issues. Right. So like, um, I, I mentioned this earlier, but in, instead of doing the tailored minds podcast, I've actually started a different podcast with a couple of my colleagues and it's called inside the athletic mind. And we actually just recently did an episode on, um, on managing expectations around playing time. So like, what is it that you can do as an athlete to manage those expectations and then kind of like bring those, bring it from like the external, like stop looking at how many minutes you're on the ice and then bring it internal as to like figuring out, okay, like, what is it that I want to be doing when I am on the ice? You know what I mean? So 
Um, we, we do talk about all those things, but I, I agree 100% that every team like needs to have some sort of, whether it's a sports psychologist or like a mindset coach or, or somebody mm-hmm. there to, to help work with the guys to maybe overcome some of the roadblocks that they're facing in their performance. Because a lot of the times it, it comes up, you could fall into a slump, but maybe you don't really know why. And just having somebody to talk to can really help you start to figure that out. Yeah. And even like, um, with retirement, if you know that you're kind of near that, or you have a career ending injury and you're, Mm -hmm. you know, sitting out and you like, that's so anxiety triggering for a lot of men that just feel like they can't really talk about it. Um, so Mm -hmm. I don't know, there's just so much potential and space for, for that in Mm -hmm. sports. Absolutely. And like, I mean, the reason that that's such a problem and like, that's something I'm starting to have to consider now, um, transitioning from like athlete to just being a regular person. And it can be such a big hit because a lot of the guys grow up and they identify purely as being an athlete because that's what they've been their whole lives. And that's how other people have viewed them too, which that identity starts to kind of like mesh into one. So like the way others see you and the way you see yourself just becomes this like big thing. So you only see yourself as an athlete, but when you don't have that anymore, it can be super mm-hmm. like who anxiety. Yeah. Like who, who am I? Like, what purpose do I have now? And I like, again, as an athlete, that's something that's kind of always prevalent in my opinion. Like we always have a goal that we're working towards. So when we find ourselves not having something to work for, we feel lost. We don't really know what to do with ourselves. Yeah, totally. And I think it's kind of part of the process, right, of transitioning into a different phase of life. And it's, I think everybody goes through that at some point with their job, regardless of whether they're in hockey or not. But the kind of hard part with hockey is like you, you've been playing since you were four years old, and that's pretty much your entire life, you know? So it's like with other people, they might work for, you know, from mid twenties to mid forties and want to switch careers or something like that. And it's this big life change, but it really kind of is your identity. And like, when you switch that, it's kind of a scary change. Well, yeah, because it's, it's uncertainty, right. And our brains don't know how to predict the outcome of this because they've never experienced this before. Yeah. So it's, it's just a, that, I mean, that's what, that's what all change is. It kind of provokes that, that feeling within us because we don't know what's going to happen on the other end. Right. But again, coming back to like having a sports psychologist or having somebody there on the team to help you kind of work through some of those things is so important. I think it would really help a lot of people, like a lot of the guys for sure. Yes, I totally agree. Well, I absolutely love this conversation. I think it's really important to shed light on these topics. So Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and where can people find you and see kind of what you've got going on? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's been awesome. I know know it's kind of been uh, a journey for us to get, to get on the (laughs) podcast here, Um, but it's been great. Um, And if, if anybody wants to kind of reach out or or talk to me or work with me or anything like that, you can easily find me on Instagram, uh, Taylor B cook underscore, or you can also go to um, elitehighperformance.com, which is uh, the company's website that I work for. You can find all of our, uh, programs and, and coaching services on there. And we're launching a, um, a course April 14th and 
if anybody listening is interested, they can book a call with me, but we're offering 25% off uh, to anyone who's interested in joining before April 14th. So the, the podcast that I was running, which was just like more just me hosting was tailored minds. I think you said that's on Spotify. Yeah. It's still on Spotify. Yeah. Um, so you can find all those old episodes there. And then if anybody's interested in learning more about the, the athletic mindset and kind of mental performance in general, we're running a podcast, uh, called inside the athletic mind, which you can find on all major platforms. Amazing. Thank you so much, Taylor. No, thanks for having me. Thank you.